You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so happy that you're here. This solo cast is going to cover my experience in a healing the voice and shamanic singing class that I participated in this summer. This container was held by a female shaman that I have been practicing under for five years now, who is very relatable for me and is a very safe space. Her effect on my life has been tremendous. In past medicine ceremonies, she has sung over me, and it was the most mothering feeling I had ever experienced. So nurturing. And each time I saw her become an Aztec woman with long braids. At the same time, she was this Aztec woman. She was also this mountain. If you've done psychedelics, then you know what I mean. (laughs) This felt so ancestral for me though. And, you know, up until recently, I didn't know much about my ancestry. So I just figured that it was the spirit of the medicine showing up as this form, but it still had this profound feeling of, of, of like ancestry for me. So I wasn't sure, um, if I was going to actually have time for this course. And I was also in a place where I was really digging into why I felt the need to take so many courses because in the past I had come from a place of not being enough. So I had hit the pause button. However, when I sat in meditation, the day that the course was starting, I asked my guides if they wanted me to take the course. There was a resounding and unanimous yes. They were thankful that I finally asked. So I showed up that night and in the first class, we were invited to write down all of the areas or experiences that we had felt shame or that we used our voice uh, to dishonor. Uh, But mainly um, like any shame or blockages that we had around our voice. They were tied to experiences and uh, I would 
would invite you to do the same because it was a really powerful exercise for me. So here is my list. When I was three, I was taking a bath and my birth dad pulled my mom to the bathroom by her hair and stuck her head in the toilet and began to drown her. I heard him screaming that he was going to kill her and I was crying and begging him not to kill my mom. And that made him even more angry. Thankfully, because he directed his anger at me, he let go of my mom's head. I felt terrified for speaking out because of how scary he became. Around the same time in my life, he had come home to the locks being changed on our apartment. And so he started to bang the door down. I was scared, so I started to scream. And my mom put a pillow over my head so that he wouldn't hear me. I again felt terrified for speaking out because of how scary it was to have this pillow over my head. In the second or third grade, I told my school counselor that my mom's boyfriend had showed me his dick. She told me that I was lying and that I just wanted attention. This gave me a lot of confused messaging around speaking up. In the fifth grade and again in eighth grade, I called another girl fat. I remember feeling really ugly when I did it. And I remember hearing in high school that one of those girls developed an eating disorder. And that was something that, yeah, I mean, fifth, eighth grade, I guess I was 12, 12 to 14, uh, around that age. That's something I still think about. Um, so I definitely use my voice to dishonor another in that, in that moment. Uh, I understand that I was being called fat and names and things like that at home, and that's why it came out. So I do have compassion on that little girl that didn't know how to use her voice to uplift others. Um, but this was this was a pain I felt in my voice. When I was around 19, my church leader told me that people often asked him if I was slow. I felt humiliated for my voice and for my being. In all of my workplaces, gossip has been very heavy, and I have involved myself plenty of times using my voice to dishonor others there. And that's something that I'm really setting a, a firm boundary on in my life now, is that I don't have to engage in gossip in order to bond with another woman or in order to be relatable. And... That's something that I'm, I'm vocally setting a boundary with, with people is that that's not something I'm available for. And, uh, I remember, I remember an ex of mine, uh, someone like was gossiping about someone and asked me my opinion. And my ex said, oh, well, Jay doesn't talk negatively about anybody. It's pretty hard to get her to say anything negative about someone. And I, I remember feeling like that was the best compliment that I could receive. And that's, that's not true in my, in my workplace. Um, I never, uh, I never start it, but I engage in it. And there's something to this feeling of, of wanting to be included and, and wanting to be relatable and, uh, you know, sometimes that can come, also gossip can come in the disguise of being concerned or, uh, you know, lots of other ways. But in, in any of those forms, I am making a, a very clear intention. And I did a little ritual practice over it this morning to not be available for this. Um, so that, that was one area. 
in my relationships in my 20s, my past partners had me under their microscopes, constantly critiquing the way that I spoke, monitoring my expressions. And on my previous podcast, I was often embarrassed for feeling not articulate. I felt corrected a lot and I felt embarrassed of my voice, of how often I mispronounced words or said, um, all of these were parts of my journey and worth. And I'm thankful for them while also acknowledging their pain. So the first time that we sat in circle with medicine in this um, container of healing the voice, my intentions were to remove any blockages around my voice from these experiences, to be gifted with shamanic singing, and I asked for any messages around my coaching practice. My experience that night felt really chaotic. It was a full moon and I was also exhausted. My inner critic was so loud. It was criticizing everything. It was hard for me to stay with any one message for too long, so I didn't feel I was able to go as deep as I would have liked. However, in this course, we were going to sit with the medicine twice in this intentional container around healing our voice and shamanic singing. And this first night definitely built a foundation for the second night. When I went up for a healing from the shaman, she again became this Aztec woman and she poured Agua de Florida over my head and sang over me. My back was in so much pain. It was as if I just got into an accident and I felt like I couldn't move. As she sang, I began to feel the pain dissipate and I was able to sit up straight. This beautiful Aztec woman with her long braids turned into a mountain and then back into herself and then into herself as a very old woman. So playful, so childlike, so joyful. So many wrinkles in her face with so much wisdom in her eyes. Long gray hair. Her appearance changed with her age, but her wisdom grew and her voice stayed the same. She told me her name. Quatlazupe. The Spaniards in Mexico could not pronounce it in the Nahuatl, which is the Aztec language, and used Guadalupe instead, which means river of light. And she told me that she is my ancestor, who was a medicine woman and a healer that often used her singing as a form of healing, and that she had been waiting to sing through me. She was so excited to tell me all of this and to begin to sing through my voice. I saw a man show up with long black hair who was, um, who was also Aztec, and it was so obvious in that moment that he was also the voice of my inner critic throughout the night. He was so critical of her. It wasn't made clear if this was her son or one of the tribe leaders, but he was definitely triggered by her power. And this moment became really dark, and as my shaman continued to sing, we gave him compassion, and he lightened up and did not bother me the rest of the night. I went back to my corner of the room and spent a lot of time in Guadalupe's presence, enjoying her playfulness and her joy. I'll also add here that I later looked at my ancestry DNA, DNA and it saw that I am 17% Aztec, so that was super cool. I asked the medicine why this year has been so chaotic, why I've been stretched so much, and I expected a really profound spiritual answer. But with a giggle, she just said, that's life. You either roll with it or you suffer. I also asked if I was meant to take Layla Martin's program for love, sex, and relationship coaches. I wanted to make sure that I was doing this from a place of worthiness and desire and not from a place of need. And sure enough, she told me, you don't need this course for your coaching, but it's going to enrich your life so much. It's going to deepen your own practice. 
I'm now two months into the course and I can say I feel so enriched and I love being in Layla's transmission field. All the work that she has done is in her transmission field and gives me a fast track to download it, which then passes to my clients. And I also love receiving her coding. I also asked the medicine how I can call in more clients. And she told me, you are a high priestess. You are not going to sell according to the old paradigm, but according to the new paradigm. She didn't specify what the old paradigm was or what the new paradigm was, but she told me that the more sex I have, the more clients I will book, which sounds like a win-win for everyone. <laughs> well, while integrating this message, it became clear that what, what she means is that in my pleasure practice, which is the sex she was referring to, my clear sentience will open up more through my life force energy, merging with my higher self and transforming me, which attracts magnetically who I am meant to work with. That because I'm so polarized in the feminine that I will attract magnetically clients and abundance, but it won't be through marketing, that it will be slow to start, but with an incredible foundation and that it will be energetic. Marketing has always felt really masculine for me. So this hit home. We ended the night singing together with our instruments while on the medicine. And I felt my vocal cords open up so wide that it felt like they became my entire being and then past that where they became the entire room and then even further. I wanted to bring up something here that became a large part of my process. I mentioned that this first night felt really chaotic for me and that my inner critic was loud. I felt frustrated because I felt like we started later in the evening than usual. I felt frustrated that we stayed up really late talking afterwards and there wasn't much space for sleep. In the past, I felt like this was different and I could see that I was holding on to that structure and that I was being rigid. As a child, my life was very chaotic and I tend to cling to structure as much as possible now, which I understand doesn't allow for much space for feminine flow. And while I feel I deeply reside in my feminine, I also thrive in structure. And so this was a big struggle for me on this night. I also know that change tends to be hard for me as well. I like to know what to expect. I voiced this to the shaman because I was nervous that the second circle of medicine would feel the same way a little chaotic for me and that the lack of space for sleep would affect me the following week as well, because I am highly dependent on sleep. As soon as I spoke it, anxiety hit. I second guessed myself. I second guessed my delivery. I felt bad for speaking up. I felt bad for speaking my needs. I felt selfish. I went back and forth between questioning if I was projecting my mother onto the shaman or if I was gaslighting myself. There was a huge shame spiral here for me all around speaking something and a course for healing my voice. <laughs> when I first reached out to her, she wasn't able to speak about it in that moment. And once we were able to talk about it, I saw how important it was that I did speak and how healing it was for me, for her to be a safe space to hear me. And I also saw that she too had an inner critic, even around some of the things that I was speaking about. And that also raised my empathy and reminded me that most of the people we want to have this type of dialogue with may already be hard on themselves in these areas. And it's so important that we speak our truth in a way that is helpful to never get so much into our mode of I'm going to speak my truth that we dehumanize the person in front of us. I have such deep reverence and love for this woman, for her work and for her being. She has played such a huge role in my healing and in what I've been able to step away from in my life and in the very special relationship I have with medicine. Because of her, my life will never be the same. A few days later, 
After that first medicine night came Lionsgate, which is August 8th. And on this evening, so Lionsgate, by the way, I didn't know about it till this year, but it, it's a like a portal for manifestation is, is what is said. And on this evening, I was reminded that spirit honors what you ask for and what you show up for. I was reminded that a part of why my inner critic was so loud on convincing me to not open my throat was partly a fear of my own power and divinity. On that night for Lionsgate, I signed up for a Zoom call to open the portal with others. Almost instantly, I felt pulled to close the laptop and my guides and ancestors were calling me to my altar to sing. I left the office and got to my altar a few minutes before 8 p.m. And as I sang, a voice, definitely not my own, emerged from me. Different notes and tones than I have ever sang in. Also louder and more confident. Guadalupe was so excited to sing again. I felt it in my entire body. She especially loved singing to Ganesha and Lakshmi. There was a deep, deep connection there. And as I researched that later, um, the, the Aztec beliefs and relationships around uh, Ganesha and Lakshmi, it was very confirmed. I share this because I'm overwhelmed with gratitude on this journey. And as I always have, I share my journeys with you here in hopes of encouraging you on your own, because I want to inspire and invite you to allow your ancestors to speak to you and through you. Because I want to remind you that when you ask and show up, spirit honors it. I am so thankful to great spirit, to Yeshua, to Mary Magdalene and Guadalupe. I am so grateful for such a robust team of ancestors and guides. On the second medicine night, I pulled the Lala medicine card from my divine feminine deck, which is the saint of spoken words. Her message is that every word you say is an affirmation. Our invitation is, what are the most powerful words for me to use frequently right now? My intention for the second circle was to just have a continuation of the first circle's messages, to receive anything around my voice, anything around my parenting, around my relationship, and to let go of control and surrender more. For the beginning of the night, I wasn't feeling the medicine too strongly, but my entire body was covered in ikaros, which are the intricate, linear, geometric, and symmetrical artworks of the Shipibo Indians that act as visual music maps. Scores notating the chants and songs, which are also called ikaros, associated with ayahuasca healing ceremonies. The vibrational pattern networks of the Shipibo are specifically connected to the visionary experience during the ayahuasca ceremonies. And uh, I have a lot of tapestries all over my house covered in ikaros. I've always been in love with them. I get them at shamaniceducation.org because it also helps support the Shipibo tribe. So here's something I pulled from dataisnature.com about ikaros. A key element in this magical dialogue with the energy which permeates creation and is embedded in the Shipibo designs is the work with ayahuasca by the Shipibo shamans. In the deep ayahuasca trance, the ayahuasca reveals to the shaman the luminous geometric patterns of energy. These filaments drift towards the mouth of the shaman where it metamorphoses into a chant or ikaro. The ikaro is a conduit for the patterns of creation, which then permeate the body of the shaman's patient, bringing harmony in the form of the geometric patterns, which rebalances the patient's body. 
The vocal range of the Shibibo shamans when they chant the Ikaros is astonishing. They can range from the highest falsetto one moment to a sound which resembles a thumping pile driver and then to a gentle soothing melodic lullaby. I know my shaman often sounds like a whale and it's super cool. Speaking personally of my experience with this is a feeling that every cell in my body is floating and embraced in a nurturing, all-encompassing vibration. Even the air around me is vibrating in acoustic resonance with the ego of the maestro. The shaman knows when the healing is complete as the design is clearly distinct in the patient's body. It may take a few sessions to complete this and when completed, the geometric healing designs are embedded in the patient's body and this is called an arcana. This internal patterning is deemed to be permanent and to protect a person's spirit. So, as I'm looking down at my body and admiring the Ikaro patterns that make up my skin, I feel something pinch me on my stomach. I move my hand there and I'm instantly stung by a scorpion on my ring finger, twice. And I'll note here that the ring finger is the finger, it's why we put the wedding ring on there, is the finger that has an artery that pumps blood to the heart. And so here I feel some devotion and some commitment to uh, this initiation of having a scorpion as my ally. But I moved my, so I, when I got stung, I didn't want to scream and startle anybody during their medicine journey. So I stayed as calm as possible and went over to the shaman and let her know that I have been stung by a scorpion. And because we are in a rather small space, I didn't want anyone else to be stung as well. So we had to turn the lights on and find this little critter together and let him outside. Sure enough, he had made his way into someone else's bedding area. So it's a good thing we got him out. I'm not sure how this would have felt had I not been on medicine, but my finger was throbbing and I could feel it in my entire being. I was so thankful to be in a room full of loving women who were nurturing and not rigid and being super strict with scheduling and what was supposed to be happening at that time. Once we had him outside, we turned the lights back off and got back into our sacred space. And the shaman had me come up for a healing around this time since I had just been stung. She put mopacho on my finger, which is sacred tobacco. And uh, she also mentioned that the medicine was telling her I needed to work with Mupacho daily. And uh, it would be a form of protection for me and a tool. And I am excited to do a Mupacho dieta next year. So she, she puts this on my finger. And I tell her that something I've been dealing with for a handful of years now has been my fear of staying home alone. It's at nighttime. And, and it's not that I just don't feel safe when it comes to someone breaking in, but I that's from trauma, from past, uh, lots of past scary experiences from kidnappings to having stalkers, things like that. But I also am hypersensitive to the spiritual realm and feel especially um, because of all the experience as a child with the spiritual realm that was scary for me, I feel like I'm not able to rest. I see and hear things a lot. And as she prayed over me, I began to become the scorpion. It was like a total Marvel Spider-Man moment. I developed this huge scorpion tail that was there to protect me at all times if danger were to come my way. And it occurred to me also that I had close encounters with death since my last birthday, a few of them. The last one being only a few weeks ago when a huge piece of metal flew off an 18-wheeler and hit my windshield, breaking it completely, and then falling on the hood of the car instead of continuing to go through and, and to my head. <laughs> Had it made it through, it would have been game over for me and everyone else in the car. But I saw that experience happen again, and I saw my guides there, Mary Magdalene and Guadalupe, 
that steered the car to safety once it was hit, that kept the piece of metal from going through to my face. And in that moment, I felt so protected. I realized how safe I was, how safe I've always been. Not only through this initiation of the scorpion as my ally, but in having this very robust team of ancestors around me at all times. For the next week, I wore my hair in a braid in celebration of the scorpion. And every time I sensed the presence around me or had any sort of hesitation or any feeling of danger, energetically, I felt that scorpion tail and was able to feel safe. I went back to my area and I started to think of my children and I, just how much love I have for them. And I went and spent time with them. I saw my daughter as a teenager and the special bond that we're going to have during that time in her life. And then I couldn't find my son and I was searching and searching, but I couldn't find him. And I started to feel fear. I've always feared losing my son. And this felt like a really dark moment. And the medicine told me that I have been forsaking my role as a mother, caught up in all of the things going on in my life and that I haven't been giving him the affection that he needs. He is a kid that needs a lot of affection, that his soul chose me as a mother for this purpose and that he is here to heal specific things and that this affection from me and me being his mother is a part of his healing and that I have been forsaking this. It felt like a spanking from the medicine and I saw how fear can be useful and kicks us into action. I love my son with my entire being and that fear in this moment really woke me up. And I have more than quadrupled the amount of affection I've given him since that night. And since they were born, I have looked both kids in the eyes every morning, at every nap time and at every bedtime and told them, I love you and I think that you are great. You are worthy of love and belonging just the way that you are. This would have been so healing for me as a child and I plan on doing this until the day that I die with my children. It was also clear that the more affection I give them, the less problems would occur at home. We ended the night in song again, and I felt so wrapped up in the divine feminine. I felt Mary Magdalene and Guadalupe's joy for this part of my journey. And I know that I shared this in last week's episode with JP Sears, but I wanted to share a special experience that happened the next morning. So there were six of us there in this circle, and three of them had mentioned that, um, the medicine had guided them to get the vaccine, to see it as an, I don't know if it was all um, like when this message was given to them, but all from the medicine, they had received this, this guidance. And I've had another girlfriend outside of the circle receive the same message. Uh, so they were told to see it as an ally for their health, to sing into it and pray into it and to not fear it. And I want to add here that for some the fear of the vaccine is worse for them than the vaccine itself. And I hadn't thought about that until this moment. And it really brought me into a place of questioning my own fear towards the vaccine and where I was coming from and my own sovereignty. So we, you know, there's three of us that have this message. And then there's the other three of us who said we did not, this didn't feel true for us, that we did not feel in alignment with getting the vaccine. And guess what? No one in this group of six women felt wrong for where they stood on this topic. No one felt like their message from the medicine or from spirit was invalidated. There was just a pure and loving space held for everyone's truth and everyone's sovereignty. To me, this was beautiful. 
Later on, I had mentioned it to a couple of friends and while keeping everyone's privacy honored, um, while talking to them about it, I just mentioned that this is where they were at and the message that they were received. And I was really curious about how we can receive messages like this from, from medicine, especially because of my concerns with the dangers of the vaccine. And there were a few people who felt like that message was really dark and that it should not be sitting in that circle. And my heart really broke in that moment at how divided we have become and how we are making people wrong just for getting a different message than us. And I truly believe that before we were born, our souls chose things like this for us, chose whether we would be getting the vaccine or not. And maybe the souls that chose that they were already going to get it and that and maybe this was how they continued in that agreement safely. I'm not sure. What I am sure of is that that was their message from spirit. And that was a part of their journey. And there's nothing wrong with that. Who am I to invalidate that or call it dark? I trust this group so much. They are so sacred to me. It has always been a safe and very grounded container. And I trust whatever messages they receive for themselves are from spirit. And it would be very ignorant for me to say that because their message was different from mine, that it was not from spirit. And through this experience, I've had a pool to distance from friends or groups that are adamant that they are on the right side, the right side. This is different from spreading awareness or research so people can make decisions from an informed place. What I'm referring to is collective tantrums or clicks yelling to anyone with a different truth. You're wrong. You're wrong. And I'm not pro or anti-vax. I'm not wrong versus right. I am just pro-sovereignty. And if your decision is from an informed place and that's your truth, then that is the right choice for you. And I will hold space for you to have that freedom. I cringe at the word sides. Because my goal here is to help heal the polarization and not contribute to, to divide and conquer mentality. But for simplicity, I have friends on both sides. Those who have had the shot, not all feel safe hugging me because I haven't. They see me outdoors, socially distanced. Does it make sense to me? No. But does it make them feel safe? Yes. So I empathize. I refrain from hugging them no matter how bad I want to. Why? Because I won't allow this controlling divisive narrative to keep me from meeting my friends where they are at. Do I feel that they are wrong? No. I feel our paths in this area are simply different. And very, a very important um, point here is that my opinion of them hasn't changed. I also have friends that won't get the shot. What's disheartening is that it feels that if I did make the decision to get it, which I do not see happening, I feel I'll lose some of that com community, not just because they won't feel safe because of spike proteins and shedding and all that. For this, I empathize, but because they would no longer trust my truth or my intuition or my decision-making, their opinion of me would change. I wouldn't be woke or aware. I'd be sheep. I'd be wrong. And this you can't sit with me energy is so hurtful to the world energetically. And it makes me question both sides as much as the shot. And I want to point out here that I do recognize that it feels like I am calling those people who are calling people wrong. It feels like I'm calling them wrong. So I recognize that and recognize that that's where they're at on their journey as well. That's a part of their, their own process. 
I recognize that. And that's not my intention here either. My intention is not to call them wrong. I don't want to judge someone for judging others because then what? I'm just like them. It's, I'm pointing, you know, like it's within me as well. Um, so I recognize that, that piece of this. My perspective for both sides is that if we can't hold space for someone else's truth because it's different from ours, are we coming from a place of freedom or from ego? Demanding that we're right and the other side is wrong and dark is dark. It feels dark. What's right for you may not be right for me. Can we still love each other and not call each other wrong? We can be activists and spread awareness without the good guy, bad guy narrative. As one of my favorite poets, Rumi said, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. I wanted to end with a cool little story of something that I experienced right after the closing of this course. My partner had a loved one that was really sick from COVID and she was in the ICU and they were being told that she may not make it. People were preparing for that and uh, in their hearts and it was a really scary time for them. And I went on a walk and when I came up to a willow tree, those beautiful weeping willow trees, I saw her underneath it. She was in a white gown and she was asking me to sing healing into her soul. I sang a shamanic prayer, and as I sang, I could hear my shamanic rattle in, in my hand as if it was there, although it wasn't. And under this willow tree, it was as if we were on another planet throughout this entire song. In her soul, it was completely pitch black that looked and felt like death. And throughout the song, it started to light up, and her entire soul filled up with gold stars, and there was a relief in her body. Light filled her up and surrounded her. Just as the song was coming to an end, the Texas cicadas, these loud little bugs, started to scream, like scream. And it sounded like there was like thousands of them in this tree. She thanked me and it took me a while to orient after this experience. I still felt like I was half in that realm and half in this one. My vision was, was odd. And I also felt a bit nervous that the light that filled her up was her soul leaving her body, being healed forever. The next morning, she was taken out of ICU and her health continued to get better from there. It was such an amazing experience to be a part of, and I feel like I can't do it justice by speaking about it, but I see the power in these songs. They are such portals. And I know that there is so much more to this healing, the voice experience that I'm not including here, and I'm kicking myself for not recording this sooner when it was fresher, but I'm going to end with a song that I learned during this time. There's a song that for me, I use as a prayer to call in my guides for any and all support I could need throughout the day. I sing it every morning after my pleasure practice. I sing it before my coaching sessions. And I posted that one on my Instagram recently. It's the one, it's the video where I'm holding a drum. So if you're interested in that, you can check out that on my Instagram page. But the song that I'm going to sing on here is that song that I sing at the willow tree. All right. So this song is translated into may the power of blank be with us and you can fill in the blank with whatever you want to call in support from i use plants and my personal guides
Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.